Jack fiddled with the coat hook, deep in thought. It had been nearly a month. He was safe. He was. It was time to get out and relax a little. He stared at the door. Was that... Pulling a scarf from his neck, he scratched furiously at the wood. Trying to breathe deeply, slowly, Jack felt the pressure building in his chest and eyed the entryway anxiously. Had he missed anything else? The dull wooden floor had never shone so brightly, completely scrubbed of filth. The little room's walls were freshly painted white. Even the ceiling took on an almost reflective quality. Dust would not be found on the trim, nor dirt in any wooden cracks. Perhaps the door, though, needed a bit more of an abrasive cleaning. The porous material drank in stains. If there was an imperfection here, what about there? It had been a month, but still, what if? The sick feeling returned to his stomach and head. It became harder to breathe. He must go and make sure things were taken care of. He pulled on the coat hook and studied the door. It must be later than this, though, in case. Rhythmically, he tapped his thumb on the metal, thinking. The door. The door. The door, he thought. The door first. Grabbing his baggy coat, he decided to grab the plane and scraper from his shed. Hopefully the neighbors had gone in for the evening. A brisk early spring breeze blew the stench of the river upland. Relief washed over Jack. Fishy was normal. Climbing down a particularly tricky cliff, he was back at the spot. It did not seem that any other living creature had attempted to reach this part of the bank from above. A small oval of gravelly mud, there was only a parcel about seven feet by three, and nothing of worth to look at or retrieve. Flooding washing out the cliff sides and neighboring shores, this plot could only be accessed by taking a precarious climb or wading across the swollen river. The cut from the ground nearly a 15-foot drop. If one did not step in the exactly right places, loose dirt and rock would send a climber tumbling down below with not a branch to grab, only brambles and leafless, crumbling vines. Jack had always been good at climbing things, though avoiding the prick and scratch of thorns here was nearly impossible. Standing on the riverbank, he admired his handiwork. If he hadn't known, he wouldn't have known. He paced and stomped on the ground. No sinking. His shoes squelched against the mud. A wedge forced into the earth with one last kick. Maybe its condition wasn't as good as he had hoped. Pulling his foot free from the mud, the bank grew stickier with each step. Saturated, the mud was now soupy. Staring at his feet, he wondered if the ground had withered away so much to allow water to flow under it. A large raindrop hit Jack on the forehead, and a second, third. A heavy rain could wash the bank all away. 
then this would be far, far from here, and that would be even better. Satisfied, he began the climb up. Luckily, he did not have far to walk home. Everything was finally in order. Jack crumpled onto his bed. It was the first time in a month he had felt able to sleep. Fears and nagging thoughts had finally been laid to rest. He had just needed to see it to feel safe. The gentle rain lulled him to surprisingly pleasant dreams. A sound awoke him in the night. Not a subtle noise, a loud one. The kind that sends you into an immediate, confused panic. Frozen, on edge, he listened intently. The pitter-patter of rain had continued through the night. The sounds of someone walking outside the cabin were clear, wet smacks. Inch by inch, Jack slithered from the bed and crept towards the window. He could see a shadow on the lawn. It stood still, wobbling slightly in place. Hesitantly, it took an uncertain step, three more, then stood in place. Faint light from a street lamp vaguely illuminated the thing. Slathered in mud, it appeared human, but didn't act right. Didn't look quite right, either. The thing took another shaky step. They must have had too much to drink. Fell in the mud. Not many people lived in this part of the country. But it was a Friday night. The figure wandered in a small loop, ambling towards the neighboring cabin. Standing near a window, it wobbled in place. After several minutes, Jack shivered and yawned. Just as he had let go of the curtain, the thing did something strange. Dropping to all fours, it skulked along in the wet mess. On hand and knee, it moved much quicker more naturally. It continued to eerily moan and gag and jerk around aimlessly. Closer to the light, it turned towards the window. What may have once been a human face was no more. The skin hung, softened and loose on the bone. There was no nose. Hair clung in places, fouled by disintegration, ground matter, and mud. But the eyes, the eyes bulged, tripled in size, near to bursting in their rigid sockets. And they shone, but within there was only darkness. No eye whites or irises, completely void. A loud groan demanded Jack's attention. The sounds were from the monster's mouth. Human teeth protruded from the lips, or... More accurately, were piercing through its lips. They were not in the right place, sort of scattered and rearranged. 
Was it him? No. It had been so long now. It couldn't be. It couldn't be a person even. Dead or alive. Standing. It stared in Jack's direction. Filled with indescribable horror and dread, he was drawn to a familiar bit of cloth around its neck, washed clean by the rain. Breathless, without thought, he reached for the axe, forgetting it was long gone. It couldn't be, he thought. It couldn't be. The thing's eyes shone brighter as it lurched closer. A soft sob escaped Jack. Of every worry and imagining, this was far, far worse. The only thought that now raced through his head was that he would have to do it again. Walking along the river, one can't help but be cautious. Even under the sun's rays, could you wake what is said to wait for you below? Would there be enough light to protect you from the angry dead? In the Appalachian foothills of Ohio, there are strange tales of horrific figures that live in or near rivers. Cadaverous and insatiable, they pillage cemeteries, consume unfortunate animals, and those who wander in their domains after dark. Unlike familiar beasts, who kill and eat out of necessity, the muddy men slaughter out of hatred. Could such a creature exist? A legend, the remains of lost, harmed, or neglected loved ones will come back to life if they are left to rest near running water. Wakened by their graves being stepped upon, rising from shoals and grabbing at the heels of passers-by, Muddy men are a local flavor of zombie. A source of fear. Few dare to walk beside the river after twilight. The consequence of dark deeds. These nightmarish figures influence not only morality, but burial practices, and have long bred superstition. In the world of cryptozoology, organisms that defy science, and even death, are not entirely uncommon. Yet, the animal responsible for these tales is a harmless, medium-sized amphibian. Found only within Ohio, it is a fascinating cross between a salamander and a frog. Proven to exist only now, these monstrous beings of the earth are unexpected discoveries. Living throughout the state's vast river network, the muddy men have cultivated plateau and plain. Surprisingly, they have peacefully dwelled alongside the hominem man for thousands of years, as have their bipedal cousins. A harmonious piece of the ecosystem's puzzle, they find and help remove dead matter from the bank, enabling growth and inadvertently feeding others. Conjuring horror, the name Muddy Man is defunct. Neither the revival nor the imprisonment of a human soul or related to humanity at all. Meyerling is a more suitable name for this muck-laden specimen. This two-part documentary on Ohio Cryptid, The Muddy Man, 
is funded by listeners like you and the Bally Raven Patreon. A special thank you to Cryptid Clyde, Claire Flannery, Colton Williams, Christina Baker, Tanya Downing, Shelby Fulton, Matthew Shang, Donovan Scherer, Tracy and Lita Puckett, Heather Moser, Michael Shang, T. Carter Ross, Ronald Miller, Julia Tegg, and Daniel Berry. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow 4Fen to be notified of when Part 2 releases, under Muddy Banks, where we explore the life of a Meyerling. Enjoy some bonus info on The Legend of the Muddy Man, which contains bits of folklore and superstition not included in Part 1 or 2. While this info is untrue, it is an entertaining aspect of the creature's history. This kind of information is great to use in campfire tales, or when planning your next game night with tabletop role-playing games. You can check out more on how to use myths like the Muddy Man, or creatures like the Meyerling, in games like Pathfinder or Dungeons & Dragons on the Bally Raven Patreon. Under muddy banks, hide the muddy men. Crawling on all four. They groan and grab and pull below, with terrible muddy hands. Born of neglect and malice, they are beings of the night. Sealed by dirt and mire, their muddy mouths can only bite. The Muddy Men was once thought to be the reanimated remains of lost, neglected, or forgotten loved ones laid or left to rest near water. Rising from banks or shores and grabbing at the heels of passers-by, it is no mystery how this unique monster developed links to zombies and the paranormal. Its nocturnal activity has not only spawned tales of the dead along waterways, but influenced burial practices and bred superstitions. Fearing crossing paths with such monsters, wetland areas are avoided after dark. With consideration of preventing the flourishing of muddy men, cemeteries are located far from even extreme flood swells. The muddy man has been thought to seek revenge for the wrongs done unto them by defiling those peacefully laid to rest, damaging caskets, knocking over grave markers, dismembering or consuming portions of bodies, and crafting a truly macabre scene. It has been said that their vengeful souls may be appeased by the offering of rotten meat. A scavenging beast, a muddy man will feed on any creature's remains if it lies near enough to its den. A proficient tunneler, it can locate corpses, drag them from the ground, and even perforate weaker containers, such as cheap, thin wood, sturdy cardboard, and loosely lidded objects. Associated with the disturbance of known grave sites, its activities are painted as more sinister overall. Muddy men wait for people to walk over top their resting places. Those unfortunate travelers who do so are grabbed by the monsters and dragged under the mud. Smothering their prey, muddy men feast not only on the living's flesh, but eat their soul. This is the only way they may find eternal rest, though a new muddy man may be created in the transaction. Muddy men are neither quick nor large enough to hunt humans. While they may mistakenly grab a passerby's foot or leg, they are too weak to pull them to the ground and their hovels would not fit a meal of that size. 
When the animals do feed on humans, it is typically in pieces and over the course of numerous feeding sessions. Muddy men can be forced out of hiding by quaking the ground. The movement frightening and indicative of large, dangerous, hunting creatures, they will move deeper into hiding. While fire hurts muddy men, it does not damage them any more or less so than most other organisms. Muddy men have weak eyes that are very sensitive to sunlight. Because of this, they avoid the sun and its blinding effect on their vision. During the day, they fear the living especially. Without the benefit of surprise and the cover of darkness, they feel helpless. Once uncovered, they can be killed by fire or sunlight, 